Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Relish the Journey. It's your podcast about the many different pathways of life and the stories that every person has to share. Really, this is the only podcast you ever have to listen to because we're not just in one niche, we're in all of them, interviewing all sorts of different people about anything and everything under the sun. Tonight's a really, tonight, it could be day when you listen to this, today, this episode is a really fun interview with Mika Gobig, and she's originally from Germany, so she's got a cool accent. She lives in Seattle, and we talked all about her her company and her career as a life coach, and the difference between a life coach and a therapist. You know, the importance of abandoning distractions, of unlearning some things that we carry with us from childhood, and how those things can cause us to seek out numbing influences in our life, and that when we can abandon those numbing influences. We can really achieve so much more. Um, her three words were path to self, as you'll see. And I really love her description about, you know, sometimes you just have to go through instead of around. So I've given away enough already. Listen to it for yourself. But this is a great one. So enjoy. Well, first, I have to start by just saying thank you. I know you're very busy. Um, we were talking before we hit record about how digital things are going, which means I'm sure you're probably working more than ever because you can be everywhere all at once. So I appreciate you carving out some time to join us for the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I just have to point out, I know I shared this anecdote with you before, like the first time we talked before we recorded here, but for those listening, right? Your last name is Go Big. My last name's Biggs. And I was sharing mm-hmm. with you that a family saying of mine is go bigs or go home. And that's what made me, as soon as I saw your stuff, I was like, this is hilarious because I feel like it's meant to be that it's uh, that closeness in the last names is fun. Totally. My uh, Chicago relatives, uh, they also use go, they go use go big or go home. There you go. That's the family motto. (laughs) Yeah. And similarly, you named your company Go Big Coaching and my company is Bigs Ideas. So we both played mm-hmm. off of the, the last name there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Go Big Coaching? What is it that you do? What are you best known for? Yeah. Um, actually, I want to say it took me years to come up with that name. You would think that it's pretty um, <laughs> <so> obvious. Sure. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't make sense in German, which is uh, my first language. So uh, that's why it took me a little longer. Yeah. So Go Big Coaching um, I primarily work with uh, female professionals, also with men, but primarily female professionals. And I help my clients unlearn what holds them back. So I think especially that's especially true for women. Uh, nobody needs to tell young women that they need to work harder and learn more. Um, I think what they all need at a certain point as they advance in their careers is to unlearn. Things. So I like to strip away all that, let me phrase it, drive away propaganda um, <laughs> of family and society and culture and all these, all these good girl things that hold women back, like perfectionism. And uh, a couple of other things, of course, uh, are true for men as well. That's like imposter syndrome, self-sabotage. That is uh, less of a gender-specific issue, and just leave those things behind so that people can tap their full potential and actually go big. Sure. Love that. So how, how'd you find that 
little niche for yourself, right? Did, how did you come across the idea of unlearning something? Did, is it something you had to experience first before you decided you want to help others do the same? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that, uh, that was a personal development that went first. So when I moved to the U.S., uh, I first didn't coach. I did my coaching training in Germany. And that was all very much more business and executive coaching focused. And I came to the U.S. and uh, my first thing was, I can't coach here. Why would people want to learn from me? So I really, I was right in my own imposter syndrome and uh, negative self-talk. And so I started self-coaching, which, uh, of course, uh, coaches also have coaches. But at that point, um, I, I did a lot of work on myself. And at a certain point, realized you can make a workshop out of that. And then at that point, I got myself out of this nobody wants to learn from me funk and went out with my workshop and realized then that there was a common theme with my own topics that resonated with people. And that was really the unlearning. Yeah, it's interesting. And like you said, it was your own uh, self-deprecating talk, right? That you had to unlearn mm-hmm. that and then build yourself up to realize yeah. you could coach in the U.S. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm generally a very confident person. And that also came with me when I moved here. But big changes just bring out uh, new challenges, right? And I mean, they come with new challenges. And I surely didn't have the most difficult transition coming from Europe, uh, having lived in the U.S. before, having relatives here, having, having an American husband. So it was definitely easier than for many, many other people. But it's still a total change of scenery. And uh, that's when your brain just like plays its worst pranks and uh, gave me the opportunity to come up with new content and uh, change direction in my coaching. So what do you think is the most common thing that people have to unlearn? I mean, I saw on your website, you've been in business for yourself for over 20 years. In that time, I'm sure you've, you've seen a lot of the same things, right? So what are some of the most common unlearning that has to happen? I think the main, if, it, if I want to say one thing, then it's the belief that we need to listen to our brains. The belief that whatever our brain produces and tells us in our thoughts is a fact, and we need to take it uh, as it is. I think that's the most important lesson to unlearn, because that is all that is all that stuff that we took in like a sponge when we were young, uh, interpreted it as young kids do, um, and all the stuff we've learned, and that doesn't serve us. And it keeps us from changing our thoughts, helps us change our feelings and actions and results. So that's where we have to get started. And if we think that our brains are right and they deliver facts, then we don't have uh, the, the best tool available to us in personal development so if we don't listen to the brain, what is it that we listen to? Yeah. Well, we listen to all that. Oh, you're not good enough. Uh, you shouldn't have that. You have never done that. Why, why would you be able to do that? If I can do it, anybody else could. All these things, right? Right. That's what, that's, 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 everybody knows those things. Um, and if we take that for granted and listen to that and don't change it, well, we, we get stuck. And uh, our brain does that because it wants to keep us in our comfort zone, because obviously we have survived to this day 
So that leaves comfort zone. That's safe. Right. And um, and of course, that comfort zones are not as bad as uh, we make them out to be sometimes. But they are not. They are not good for growth. They are good for rest, but they are not good for growth. So if we're not listening to that self-talk that can be negative, who's in the driver's seat? Is that where we trust our gut over our brain? Or what should we focus on then? Yeah. So that that's that's a good question because a lot of people really, really have a hard time hearing intuition in the first place. So it's not even that they mistrust their gut. They just don't hear it because they are so used to all the chat, the negative chatter going on. In their on their mind, and uh, if we manage to uh, to change the the negative chatter, the self talk, then it's also much easier to listen to body signals. It's kind of a hand in hand process, I would say. So I had to I had to learn listening to my gut a lot more too. And uh, there are there are a couple of studies that actually say that those gut decisions are better. Um, because you can know too much about a thing to make a good decision. That's pretty interesting. That is interesting. So spot yeah. this is yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I wish I, I wish I knew the book title. Um, but uh, about spot decisions, yeah. So that's um, they are often better than the the over researched topics. I mean, of course, I'm not talking about science or academia. I'm talking about <laughs> sure. personal decisions, right? right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no. So not not if it's about writing thesis, writing papers. Um, yeah, and, uh, and uh, so that is something where people have to relearn trusting their gut a little more, just saying, okay, let's try it. What's the worst that can happen? That's risky. Right. And like you said about being comfortable, that's not comfortable, right? The, no. That makes the brain a little upset because you're going against the uh, survival instincts that are hardwired there. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the comfort zone is not very comfortable for many, many people, but uh, it's safe. It's what we know. And so that makes it our comfort zone. And uh, stepping out, I always say, I always tell my clients that they don't need to leave every time. I mean, you don't necessarily need to move to a foreign country or, uh, I don't know, quit your job or get married or divorced. Those big decisions doesn't always have to be those things, often enough, it's just it's just good to shuffle out of your comfort zone with little baby steps and then the comfort zone grows right behind you. Right. And then you start to look at the size of your discomfort zone and how smaller that's getting and you trying as you try more things. Exactly. And there are so many things uh, where we can just really take a lot of baby steps. It's just what another thing that holds us back is that we often try to Think through what the best step would be, and then nothing happens. Yeah, it's the instead of just taking the, a step. Right, that's the analysis paralysis where you can know too much. Mm -hmm. To your point earlier, right, you get caught up in thinking about it, and you're not actually doing it. Yeah, it's like it's basically like people waiting to apply to the perfect job, and then they have no practice applying just to some job. If someone interviews for, if someone has ten job interviews. Uh, that person will probably really rock interview 11. And uh, if you wait for that that perfect job to apply to, you don't really have practice. And that's the same in our private life. If we wait for the perfect step, then there's a lot of time taken and we might not even be good at it. 
if we just take steps and one step after another, not all of them might be good, but uh, we build momentum. So as a parent, you know, I got a two and a half year old, this whole conversation of unlearning has me thinking a lot about learning. And mm-hmm. ideally, we would uh, raise our kids to not have to unlearn some of these bad habits, right? Have, have you explored that at all with people you work with? How do you how do you make it so there's you know, you get it right the first time, I guess, right? You don't have to unlearn things. You just learn it the right way. Yeah. Uh, some things, some things uh, you can definitely learn the right way. But what will, what will um, happen is that uh, you cannot always be nice and friendly and explain everything to a small child. So there will be some tension or the child sees some tension between the parents or another adult, maybe a, maybe a kindergarten teacher, uh, gets upset. So there will always be something that in a kid um, starts that, that spiral of, oh, if I want to avoid being criticized or if I want to avoid someone being angry, I have to behave different. Because a small child just cannot see the difference between a serious incident and just a small rebuke. And so that the negative self-talk will happen, but it really depends to what extent. Sure. And I think that is that is something where, especially as a parent to a small child, it is so important to show kids and to say things that kids might not even understand at that age, that they can do whatever they want. Those things, those messages. Because now when I when I think back as a as an adult now, um we all interpret the messages we get in our childhood. And if uh, you can do whatever you want, you are worthy, you are capable, are messages you get a lot, you might not really know what to do with them when you are small. But they are extremely helpful as you grow older and someone else and meet a lot of people who have not gotten that message when they were young. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, I think some people don't say those things because like, oh, they have no idea what I'm talking about, right? But yeah. Um, the brain does, right? Or they they understand the emotion behind what you're saying and the intent there, and then that's what registers uh, as interesting exactly. topic. So and it's it's I think it's a lot about self worth and and value those things, and that's the energy children pick up. It's like when I was a kid, um, my father always joked a little that I could do whatever I want, uh, I could become whatever I want just not Pope or American president. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, as a kid, I had no idea why not Pope and why not American president. But uh, everybody thought that was kind of a cute thing uh, for him to say. And I heard it a lot. And of course, it's like, okay, I can, I can become whatever I want. And that's the message that sticks. And especially if people laugh a little, it has a positive connotation. So somehow, uh, yeah, that that's something that kids pick up the right way, and that that helps the the self worth and self esteem, and that outdoes the negative self talk to a large extent. It's still there, but uh, I think if you have that confidence or yeah, self assurance there, um, then it's much easier to handle the self doubt that you'll also have. But it's just much easier to say, uh, okay. It's, it's okay for me to be afraid of that. Everybody's afraid of things and just do it anyway. Right. Yeah. And like you say, run your website, right? 
done is better than perfect, right? Just do it anyway. Yep. Get it done. Yep. And you can always improve on it, but you can't improve on something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and, and lots of us tend to do that, right? Uh, so the, the half-finished website, the half-written novel or even blog post, uh, it stays it stays somewhere in a file. And uh, when it's not out there, it's not risky. But there's also no no benefit to it. It has no worth, no value if sure. it's not out there. So this idea of you as a coach, I like to pick your brain on that because I do a lot of networking on social media with people and lining up podcast interviews. I've spoken to a lot of different types of people, some of whom offer mm-hmm. coaching services. And it seems like anybody can just call themselves a coach, right? Um, now, you've yeah. had actual training to be mm-hmm. a coach. What's your take on all that, right? About the idea of somebody as a coach and what is required for someone to sort of invoke that title. So I um, I actually benefit uh, from the fact that there is no training requirement because I did my training in Germany. And so I did not have to go through the hassle of just like doing it again in, in the U.S. or so. So I'm kind of benefiting from it, but I did have training. Um, I personally think that uh, some people might totally be able to be excellent coaches without having gone through a formal training. But I also think that a thing that that's super valuable to learn is, for instance, when do I have to pass on a client to a therapist? That is because that's that's a really critical issue. When when do I have to stop working with someone and say this is this is requires uh, a medical medical professional of some sort, a therapist? Uh, that is uh, something I think is not automatically self understood, and it it depends. The some people I think the industry is relatively new. Or like as a bigger industry, it's relatively new. I could see that there will be uh, a lot more requirements regarding that industry as it grows and uh, becomes more and more established. Because I still feel right now it's very, it's it's becoming very, very common uh, among certain people or like maybe bigger cities, those things. But uh, it's not super established yet. And in Europe, for instance, uh, in Germany, life coach is really not that big of a deal yet. Business coaches, executive coaches, yeah, but uh, life coaches, people don't know what it is compared to, let's say, a therapist. Yeah, so that's interesting because I think it's a great point about knowing when someone needs, you know, medical attention and that sort of training versus, you know, here's some ways to find efficiency in your life and be more productive, not working through a mental health issue, right? There's a big difference there. Right, right. And that's a great point, one that I not not thought of. So you just said something that's interesting, like knowing the difference. So is that how you'd explain the difference? Sort of my quick quip there of what's the difference between a life coach and a therapist? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I am not messing with someone's uh, mental health issues. So, um, and I also don't dig uh, into the past. There is. I like to. I like to look at the past because there's a lot of causal coaching you can do uh, based on how we develop. The limiting beliefs we carry around, they come from the past. So it's, it's good to look at those. But uh, I think coaching in general is just more forward-oriented. It uses what's happened before. It uses those stories, those memories uh, to change them. And uh, 
to build a future that's not fully based on past experience, but uh, choosing new thoughts, choosing new actions. And uh, mental health issues may come up, but what I personally do is when someone tells me about trauma, uh, that I ask them first if they have worked on that with a therapist. Sure. Because otherwise I, I tell people that I can't work with them at this point. Right. If the trauma is fresh and um, they have not seen a mental health professional about it, that's not uh, something I can ethically do. Yeah. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And by you weaving that in a conversation, it just makes it more acceptable, right? Because I think for a lot of people, it's not still to, to admit that they have a problem that require that sort of care. The fact that you can confidently just say, oh yeah, you need to do that. Like, why wouldn't you have done that? Right. It's, that's again, yeah. breaking down a, a self-limiting belief or some negative self-talk where they're unlearning that it's, you know, only wimps get that kind of help or whatever we hear as kids. Right? Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of that around. And uh, But I think the moment someone is looking into coaching, they have fortunately already taken the first step uh, to exploring uh, help that's out there in a, in a broader sense, of course, because it's totally different to contact a coach than a therapist. Um, I see it more like um, kind of like uh, a personal trainer for the mind hmm. or... Yeah. So it's, it's just someone you have in your corner. And most people also don't spend an hour a week thinking about themselves, focusing on themselves, talking about themselves. That's a, that's a big luxury. And I also, the, the thing with the private trainer, I use, sometimes use that analogy because when I started weightlifting, tried out weight strength training and started to lift barbells, I did that in a one on in a couple of one on one sessions because I was I was already over forty and I felt like ah oh, that's not something I want to do by myself or in a in a large group and I did it for a while and then I went to a group session and then I went back to having private trainer lessons and it was amazing what I could achieve just because that person was there and told me I could so you could automatically lift heavier uh, when someone is right there uh, watching out for you and telling you, I, uh, you can do that. And I think that's, uh, that the same way, um, that's the same way with a coach that people feel when someone tells, when they have a professional by their side in their corner who tells them, of course you can do it. Look at this. You've done a lot of great things already. They are much more willing to, to take the step and then they can yeah. lift the metaphor metaphorical 20 pounds more. Sure. Yeah. Well, I love that analogy of the, the luxury of spending an hour on yourself, right? That mm-hmm. for many of us, it is a luxury. We focus so much on other people that we're the last on our own to-do lists, right? That's another line that somebody gave me on this podcast is to never put yourself last on your own to-do list. And I think we just yeah. said supports yeah. that. And it is, it's, I think part of it's that accountability, right? When you know, there's a trainer waiting for you in the gym, you're not going to miss that workout. You've paid that person probably you're going to show up because you made that commitment and with Mm -hmm. coaching, uh, business coach or life coach or whatever kind of coach someone's, you know, brought onto their team. It's that same sort of effect where, okay, now you are going to spend that time working on yourself because you have to, that person's there. You don't, you don't, no one likes to feel like they're letting somebody down. Right. So it's got that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I I like it too, because uh, it also works that way. It's like, okay, 
You can improve by working out by yourself. You can improve in large groups, but you will always make faster progress in small groups or with a one-on-one. And that is true of workouts and that is true of whatever type of coaching or consulting you, you uh, use too. Same, same thing. You can do it on your own, but it just takes you a lot longer. And there's uh, the, the pitfalls are larger because there's no one who says, oh, let me correct your posture. Right. Yeah, there's not that guy there that's done it before and can recognize mm-hmm. a warning sign before you totally fall off the cliff. Right, exactly. So as you look back on your whole journey, because we've alluded to a lot, we've covered a lot more, moving from Germany to the States, everything you've learned in building up your coaching business and working for yourself, helping other people unlearn all these things has undoubtedly, you've learned things helping people unlearn, right? How would you summarize this entire journey of yours in just three words? And those three words can be a phrase, or they could be three individual words, but you have to pick three. All right. Now that I listen more to my gut feeling, the first thing that came to mind was path to self. Past to self? Is that what you said? Path, path to self. Path to self. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. And that was your gut? That was said what that, came up. Yeah. Yep. That was my gut, uh, path to self. And I think that's, uh, that's actually pretty good because uh, I feel that I've always been an authentic person, but uh, I just become more and more me and myself with that journey as I grow older. And that's what I want for my clients too, of course. Sure. Sure. So how, as it relates to you, you know, what's been the path to yourself that has been unveiled through all the things that you've embarked upon? I think the big points are that uh, I have uh, abandoned a lot of the distractions in my life uh, or the numbing I'm much uh, that that's something I've learned over the years that uh, I hardly need any numbing anymore to look at the uncomfortable things so if that's if that's I don't know alcohol or I don't know binge watching it doesn't really matter so I hardly need any of these things anymore or or shopping right that's that's that was that was mine partying and shopping I don't need much of that anymore um, yeah, those like because I can sit, escapism. I can sit with it. Yeah, yep, yep. I can sit with it. I can look at the more unpleasant things more easily and say, yeah, that that hurts or oh, that sucks. But uh, I know it's not lasting forever, so I might as well look at it that uh, that way. I go through, and through is always faster than around. Sure, yeah. To keep with our path analogy, right? The quickest path yeah. is a straight line, right? Not going around. You have yeah. to go through. Yeah. And that's not always the most pleasant, but quite honestly, the around, the around just costs a lot of time. And in the end, you can't avoid the discomfort anyway. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Well, if other people are listening to this and they also like that and everything else you've been saying, where should we send them to find more of you and your programs and workshops and everything you have going on? Yeah, um, I have a website, meetagobic.com or gobigcoaching.com. That leads people to the same site. And as far as social media goes, my main social media platform is Instagram. I spend way too much time on Instagram. <laughs> so people people can uh, send me direct messages to go underscore big underscore coaching on Instagram or follow me there. And uh, they can also find me on LinkedIn, Michelle Goldberg. 
Um, I do have a Facebook profile and a company page, but I don't use it right now. I will be back when the next uh, group coaching starts so that uh, people have uh, a way to communicate with, with each other. But I'm taking a Facebook break right now. Sure. Can't blame me for that one. Sometimes you need a break. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'm especially good for taking a Facebook break. I think. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time this evening. This has been a fun conversation for me. Um, you make a lot of great points. And I know the listeners are going to learn more than one piece of wisdom here. So thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. That's a wrap for another episode of Real the Journey. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you could be so kind to head on over to wherever you listen to this show, leave us a rating and a review and hit that subscribe button. Helps us move up the charts. If you've seen us on social media, we've made a dent in South Africa. So South Africa, if you're listening, happy to be in the top 50 of entrepreneurship podcasts there. Actually top 30. So by doing this, leaving the reviews and the ratings, you guys help me climb the charts, reach more people, spread this mantra of Relish the Journey. So thanks for listening to this episode. Please share it and do all the things. And we will be with you next time with another awesome guest. Cheers.